Hey everyone, welcome to the week five recap of the Nickel and Brime Package podcast. That's right, week five, as in the number of fingers that went through my computer monitor watching the 49ers Browns game Monday night. <laughs> For week five, as in Brian is five and oh this week. Aren't you special, my friend? <laughs> I'm gonna be the one. <laughs> Those pass rushes were great now. That's exactly what we want to do right there. Hey, what defense is that? Sprout left exit, Richard Nixon. Hell no. It's the Nickel and Brime package. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Now, here's your hosts, Nick and Brian. So for our fact check, this week we only had one thing that i know of for sure that i need to bring up and that was that brian mm. and i mm. had mm. talked about mm. the 200 point score and i'm sorry to admit but brian was indeed correct i was right that he is the first 200 point scorer i don't know if it was a different league that i was in where scoring was crazy and that's what i was thinking of i could have sworn we we've had a gotten very close that's true we have very very close but no one's actually pushed over the 200 or hit it it's like people have gotten like 199 like 198 like the 190s people tend to score in but to have a 200 point week is extremely rare and i had one <laughs> Oh, man. And actually, when I was looking back at some of the scores through, I mean, our scores only go back through 2010, but we started two QBs in 2011. So it's not really very likely that we would have had more points prior to 2011. But I was pretty surprised. I think it was like week four of 2010. Ethan scored like 183 points. That seems like a lot considering there was only one quarterback back then. So just throw that out there. It was cl- we've had a lot of close calls, but Brian is indeed the first one to get to 200. So congratulations to you, Brian. And I hate you. So on a different note, it's not hating on me. <laughs> In my work league, it, uh, before this year, it was a standard league with like six points per passing touchdowns in one quarterback. And someone got something crazy of it was like 190 before. In a standard league, we have pretty wonky defense scoring, but you fix that. And so mm-hmm. in this league, I don't know what the scoring is, but basically if they score at all, they drop from 25 to 10. So it's really difficult to get that high of pointage. So it was something crazy. I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, this year was the first year we changed defensive scoring since the league's inception. And basically what we did is we removed yards allowed as a metric for scoring. Because frankly, if you give up 500 yards, but you only give up one touchdown, why should you be penalized for so many yards? Then on top of that, we just kind of normalized. We we made it a little bit more even in the point distribution for points allowed. So basically, defenses have become low-risk, high-reward kind of things versus high-risk, high-reward. Yeah, I really like the whole change and everything now. I mean, Jake's obviously had a really good week with his defense, but being the person with the Patriots' defense, it doesn't feel like I have this amazing untouchable defense i mean sure you know they're putting up a ton of points 
but the gap is a lot closer than it used to be in previous years. Yeah, exactly. So let's move on to some of the recent news. And it seems like a weekly thing now where we we have all this big list of injuries and it almost always includes a quarterback or two. And this week is no exception to that. The first one I was going to bring up was Mason Rudolph. Turns out he only got concussed, but I know you had mentioned it just after it happened and I watched the replay of it and holy cow, it looked like he died on the field for a second. Yeah, I think I messaged Slack and I said, I think Mason Rudolph just died. That replay, when he after he threw the ball and took a helmet right to the dome, his hand, like he was still in his throwing arm motion when he fell to the ground. Yeah, he was like pointing basically. He was basically he paralyzed. Did you read at what happened with the stretcher? No, I didn't. So <laughs> I just read about this today. I was watching the game and I was like, why the fuck is he walking off? Apparently the stretcher broke. Oh, no. It bl- blows my mind at how clowny this league can be sometimes. <laughs> like for how much money is put into it and just the equipment and everything. Even if he says he's OK, you need to <laughs> he needs to be on a stretcher. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, So Rudolph wasn't the only quarterback that was injured. Patrick Mahomes, obviously the most high-profile quarterback we could probably bring up in the podcast, was noticeably limping around during the game. He finished the game. He never came out, but and I imagine he's going to continue to play because it it is he is Patrick Mahomes. But concerning nonetheless, he didn't really look the same. And as you could tell by the score in that game, which we'll get to later. He wasn't the same Patrick Mahomes after that. One of his linemen cleated his ankle. So that's going to hurt no matter what, but I think he can shake it off. We've got Jalen Samuels is undergoing a knee scope, and so he's going to be out for multiple weeks because of that. That blew my mind. That was just announced today. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Philip Dorsett left the Patriots-Redskins game with a hamstring injury pretty early on. Did not return. David Johnson, I believe, finished the game against the Bengals. However, he's not out of the water yet for a back injury. I don't think this is a big deal, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, we, we've had injuries with David Johnson in the past where it seems like it's not a huge deal, and then he misses some time. So I don't know what to think of it. I don't know why his coach would say that he's potentially not going to be available. I want to believe that the NFL has enough medical personnel to give you the back treatment that you require. I mean, if it's like a muscle, uh, you know, they have all kinds of treatment. I mean, if it's like a vertebrae, that's a little different. So did you look into this at all? Like any specifics or... No, I I believe all I read was that he hurt his back carrying the entire team for the last five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Kyler Murray. <laughs> Sammy Watkins left that Chiefs-Colts game with a hamstring injury pretty early on and was not a big factor in that game, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Now, that said, Tyreek Hill is, is looking at coming back very soon, if not this week, so that might not be such a big blow for the Chiefs, but it'll have some fantasy implications. I bet Tyreek doesn't play this week. I bet he gets in a limited practice 
and then they're going to take it easy and just play him next week. The dude broke his clavicle. <laughs> you know, like, don't yeah. rush someone back. I mean, he always takes these hard hits because people get so frustrated with him. I definitely know if I was a defensive back or lineman, and there's this guy running, like, faster than the speed of light around, I know I'd want to hit him extra hard. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that, that unless it's a shoestring tackle, he's pretty much guaranteed to get hit hard because of how fast he always moves on the field. Yeah. All right, well, that's enough of the injuries. I did want to bring up, we had a weird weekend kicking this week. We had a lot of missed attempts, and let's start with the person who missed the most and pretty much single-handedly lost his team the game. That was Cairo Santos. He missed four field goal attempts in a seven-point game, so you do the math there. Robbie Gold missed three field goal attempts. Didn't really matter because the 49ers handedly beat the Browns. Kaimi Fairbairn missed two extra points. Brett Maher of the Cowboys missed two field goals, and Joey Slyle missed two field goals and an extra point. Those were the kickers I saw that missed multiple kicks. We obviously had some kickers miss singles, but I was pretty surprised with the number of misses. And I don't know, Brian, would you say that maybe we're a little bit too focused on the quarterback position and it's actually the kicker that's the hardest position in all of professional sports? There's a case of cross-eyedness going on. It's apparently spreading like wildfire oh, to all wow. these kickers. I hadn't heard so, that. Yeah, it was in an article I read and apparently it's something on the field. Like they sniff the the air or something and then they just immediately go cross-eyed right when the ball is snapped. Wow. Is there any cure? Uh, yeah, remove kickers from our fucking fantasy league. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and actually I'll, I'll mention too, the Cairo Santos four missed field goals actually cost him his job and so now the Titans have employed. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it did. And and the Titans have employed Dink Master Cody Parkey. So Oh my god. Sorry, Doink Master, I mean, but yeah. Doink. Um speaking of people getting fired, Jay Gruden showed up for work in Washington <laughs> this yesterday and uh, his key didn't work anymore. So, he's no longer the coach of the Redskins. I wanted to ask you, do you think he deserved to get fired? I think he's a scapegoat. I just yep. feel like he was given so many crappy tools and they were like, all right, win with this pile of dog shit. And if you can't, then we'll find somebody else who can't win with this pile of dog shit. On that same note, I definitely agree with you because I'm actually surprised at how many wins he actually got. You know, Alex Smith got hurt. I can't think of everybody off the top of my head who's been injured on this team but it's not pretty, and their offensive line is no exception. I definitely think that he unjustly got fired here. I don't think he's a terrible coach, and I definitely think he will be a coach in the league going forward. Have you been uh, up to date with any of this other news about Tom Coughlin potentially being the head coach there? No, I didn't hear about that. There's like some rumors going around. I don't know how truthful it is. But he said Dan Snyder was looking at Tom Coughlin. Uh, what was that other guy's name? That was the OC in Pittsburgh that went to that got fired from Cleveland. Yeah, uh, Todd Haley. Todd Haley. 
I almost said Todd Gailey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I will say that it doesn't seem like John Gruden is very concerned about Jay Gruden either, because I don't know if you saw his comment. Basically, when he found out that Jay Gruden got fired, he was like, hey, buddy, join the club, you know. Dad got fired, I got fired, now you got fired. So I don't think he's really worried about Jay finding another job anytime soon. I think he's pretty confident he'll get another chance. I think he will too. So a super interesting tidbit. The intern head coach that took over for Jay Gruden was the one that took over for John Gruden when he got (laughs) fired from Oakland. Really? Apparently he said, we're going to run the ball. (laughs) <laughs> so Adrian Peterson, look out, my dude. Yeah. And another thing too, I, I just because it's it's going back to the 2012 season and I originally was thinking that Jay Gruden maybe kind of deserved to get fired for the way that Robert Griffin III was mishandled, but that was actually Mike Shanahan, not Jay Gruden. So I especially feel like Jay Gruden didn't deserve this now, but I guess it is what it is. He'll probably go on to a team that's a little bit more deserving of him and, and we'll just kind of see what happens from there. Yeah. So in trade news, we, it was a really quiet week for us. We only had one trade and I believe it just got done this morning, Tuesday morning. That was between Dylan and Ethan. Dylan sent Peyton Barber for Ethan's Gus Edwards. And I guess my question to you, Brian is who cares? I actually really like this trade for Dylan, although it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter because to me, the idea here is Mark Ingram is is potentially injury prone. You know, throughout his his entire career, he's been injured a lot. And so I I was thinking potentially rostering Gus Edwards as well, but I figured someone had him, so I didn't really like look into it. But for Dylan to trade for him, that's a little odd because Dylan checked out earlier today. He did. It was like right after that trade got accepted. He sent a message. He was like, all right, um, good season, guys. I'll pay you, Nick, in at Thanksgiving, you know, because he's family. So he's like, I'll see you at Thanksgiving dinner, and I'll pay you then, and uh, everybody have a great day. <laughs> so it was really interesting. I mean, it's a decent trade for Ethan because he's stockpiling shitty running backs. Y- yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> the only... Thing I see Dylan getting out of this is potentially Gus Edwards becomes the starting running back. But I really like the other guy, Justice Hill, I think his name is. I really like him a lot. So it's like a whatever. Yeah. I'll say this about Mark Ingram. He hasn't missed a game due to injury since I believe the 2015 season. He was suspended last year for a few games, played in. 16 games in 2016 and 2007. So he's had some injuries in the past, but it's, yeah, it's not been a recent thing for him. Could be like a Frank Gore type deal where Frank Gore was considered injury prone early in, early in his career. Now look at him. He's like freaking Iron Man. I don't know. I'm not saying that Mark Ingram is guaranteed to be healthy for the next 35 years (laughs) like Frank Gore, but yeah. So how about we move into the NFL week five recaps? We'll talk about our Thursday night football game first that was the rams 29 seahawks 30 and i guess my takeaway question for you brian is russell wilson the nfl mvp so far through week five what's the seahawks is record right now i believe they're three and two three and two what's jacksonville's 
two and three. I think he potentially can be the MVP so far. Sorry, scratch that. They're four and one. Seahawks are four and one. Yeah, so I would definitely say that he is the MVP so far then. My rebuttal to that is I think Mishu Pichu is the runner up right now. Because <laughs> Minshew Mania is running rampant in Jacksonville. I don't know if you've noticed this, and I hope Ethan's listening. I think Minshew is the franchise quarterback of the future for Jacksonville. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with Nick Foles, but he is their Cam Newton. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this or if you watched any of their games, but the way this team and their entire fan base, which their owner loves that, just goes around Gardner Minshew is just magical to behold. Like they're they're just all about him. Like he cannot do wrong. Sure, you know, is Russell Wilson getting the results of the wins? Yeah, but they thought they were dead in the water as soon as Nick Foles was injured. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not, but at least they're having fun and getting but rallying behind this dude, which I mean, they're not doing bad. They scored 27 points. So at least it's not Blake Bortles or something. Anyway, yes, Russell Wilson is the MVP so far. Close second, in my opinion, even though the record doesn't uh, show the results. I think Gardner Minshew is, should be considered as well. That's pretty interesting. He's got some pretty decent statistics. I don't think his statistics are necessarily strong enough for him to win. Obviously, the team record will play into that as well, like you'd mentioned. But yeah, definitely way better than they could have possibly imagined considering Nick Foles going down in week one. The Bills 14 over the Titans 7. And as I brought up earlier, Cairo Santos missed four field goals. And the Bills defense, as we already know, is super legit. The Cardinals scored 26 points to the Bengals 23. And so the Cardinals are no longer winless. The Bengals are, however, winless. Do you think the Bengals trade AJ Green away? That's a good question. I, I have no idea. I've what seen some contract. rumors. Yeah, I don't know what his contract looks like. This is last year. Okay, so basically like a one-year rental kind of thing. I was looking at it at some of these rumors, and they basically said that we don't see him coming back. I mean, if I was AJ Green, I wouldn't want to come back anyway. Yeah, I guess I could see a team that's in position that maybe could use a high risk wide receiver it it seems like it's kind of a joke at this point but i guess in that case i could kind of see the patriots throwing like a seventh round pick to the Bengals for him i think the Bengals would want a first round pick i yeah i just don't think they're gonna get anything that big yeah i don't know man i i guess i i haven't really thought of that possibility i suppose it makes sense that they would look to move move on Yep, we won't waste time speculating on that stupid shit. So <laughs> let's just keep moving on. Sorry, it wasn't a quick question. The Bears got beat by the Raiders 24-21. This is the second week in a row that the Raiders have beaten a solid team. Last week, they took care of the Colts. So pretty impressive two-game stretch by the Raiders. Maybe they're starting to kind of figure it out under the old Gruden. The Raiders. The Saints outlasted the Buccaneers 31-24, and I just got to say, I think Sean Payton is indeed a genius. Yep. 
I definitely think so. And I definitely called this when Breeze went out. And I definitely think that Teddy Bridgewater played amazing this game. So he sort of ascended from that game manager type role that he's sort of known to have had his career and really showed out. I think it was more of like Peyton was just told him this week, hey, we don't got to throw it to Alvin Kamara. It's not working anymore. So let's let's throw it to our wide receivers, a.k.a. Michael Thomas. Just throw it to Michael Thomas every play. Can't guard Mike had a pretty nice game. And I mean, props to Teddy for getting it to him, because as we're going to bring up a little bit later on, there are certain quarterbacks that can't get the ball to elite wide receivers. Um, How many catches did Mike Evans have this week? (laughs) He had zero catches for zero yards. So, yeah, I suppose he had about as many catches in this game as you or I did, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, he wasn't even targeted. Wow. Well, and uh, my theory and everything is uh, coming to fruition. Whoop, whoop, Chris Godwin. <laughs> so on to the Vikings and Giants, the Vikings 28 Giants 10. And I guess a little bit surprisingly, it turns out that Kirk Cousins does indeed know how to throw a football. Not only that, but his offensive coordinator knows how to let him throw a football. I think this was a little bit of the Giants defense sucks. Yes. Yes, it and was. they couldn't cover Thielen. Like I was watching this game, and they could not cover Thielen. So I feel as though um, this is fake news. This could be one week worth of fake news, and they go back to Dalvin next week. I wouldn't be one bit surprised. So the Jets put up a measly six points to the Eagles, thirty-one, and in the process of gaining those six points, they actually combined for one hundred and twenty-eight total offensive yards in the game. Yikes. That's a big yikes. (laughs) Well, it took the Ravens overtime to beat the Steelers, but they came out on top 26 to 23. As we mentioned earlier, rest in peace, Mason Rudolph. And I think this was the game that basically set Justin Tucker up for the game-winning field goal after Juju Smith-Schuster had the football punched out of his arm. Lamar Jackson looked absolutely atrocious this game. I think it was... A fumble and three interceptions. So, I mean, if the Steelers can't win off of those, then you got a problem. Yeah, they just haven't really seemed to get into a really good rhythm, with the exception of their win against the Bengals. The Patriots dominated the Redskins 33-7. to The Patriots are one of two undefeated teams left, also including the 49ers, but I just got to wonder who the heck made their schedule. I don't know if you've taken a look at it, but it's an absolute joke. <laughs> well, the Patriots are in a joke of a conference. That's so, fair to say. Yeah. I mean, it only, you know, makes sense that they'll a joke of a conference where they play against these joke teams about twice a year. Plus, you add in these teams are already doing bad for a reason or another. And next thing you know, we're at the Super Bowl again. Free wins. <laughs> yeah. It's it's something it's something else right now. I just got to say none of the teams are good enough to even think to upset them. Yeah, we'll just kind of have to wait for that Patriots Chiefs showdown. That's imminent. The Jaguars got defeated by the Carolina Christian McCaffrey's 34 to 27. That's a real boy right there. Yeah, that was crazy, man. That dude is just insane. Oh, so I have him in my work league and I still lost. Wow. I mean, I. 
I almost beat Matt, so he would have it would have been pretty crazy for that to to happen. Yeah, he just went he went insane. What was it like forty nine points in our league? Yeah, something like that. And he was limping off the field towards the end of the game. He's like, oh yeah, I just got cramps. Yeah. So he didn't even finish the game because he had cramps. So I mean, I feel like he's a shoe in for fifty points if he does that, or if he's if he's able to finish that game, especially because their backup had like a sixty yard touchdown run or something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, he also added on, I got to do better. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. He's such a hard worker. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> Well, the Falcons fell to the Texans 53 to 32. Falcons are 1 and 4 overall, and in this game Will Fuller became Will Fullest. I mean, everyone in our league knows where I stand on Will Fuller because I said it out loud on this podcast and it was recorded and released. Oh, this is tough because Kenny still has got injured. So, I don't know moving forward what he'll do, mm-hmm. but I definitely think when Kenny Stills come back, he'll eat into this production. So I don't know what clicked on for Deshaun Watson this week, but I think this was more of the Falcons took away Hopkins hard and made him throw in other places. And that was just a matchup he liked. He wasn't throwing anyone else. I don't know if, if this is a fluke. It's potentially a fluke. I will say that last week the... Titans played the Falcons, and I don't know who was guarding Will Fuller, but I know that the Titans absolutely roasted Desmond Trufant. So I don't know if that was who was guarding Will Fuller or not, but I think this was at least had something to do with the uh, the Falcons' defense. They haven't had a whole lot of success in rushing the passer, and it seems like they were pretty susceptible to some big plays. And let me just ask you this. As an outed Will Fuller hater... (laughs) I got an offer from Derek the beginning of last week, and it was basically Will Fuller for Marquise Brown straight up. I told him no because I thought Will Fuller was potentially the number three option on the Texans, as we had talked about before, and Marquise Brown is the number one receiver and a fantastic keeper option moving forward uh, for the Ravens. Do you think that I was stupid for that based on this week and the rest of the season? No. All right, there you have it, folks. <laughs> That's the short answer. Is <laughs> I definitely think you were right to do that because Will Fuller is going to do one or two things. He's going to bust a kneecap or mm. he's just going to have these boom-bust games and you'll never know when to start him. I guarantee you if Cooper starts him next week, he's not going to do shit. Like Will Fuller is a permanent uh, flex spot of just, hey, whatever you get, like you're not counting on him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that Hollywood is a way better player because he is potentially the one in that passing offense that or it's um, Mark Andrews. I don't know which one it is. I think it's Mark Andrews, Hmm. but I think Hollywood gets more snaps. So. I think maybe it's probably Hollywood. Yeah, I, I like Hollywood's potential and you know the fact that he's he's actually been getting some targets, but he's also a pretty nice play for where he could he could go off any given week. Do you know off the top of your head what round he was in? 
I want to say it was around the 15th round. So Marquise Brown, round 15 by you. Okay. Yeah, I think he would have been drafted higher, but he was dealing with that foot injury prior to the season. DJ Chark is fucking round 14. Yeah. <laughs> that is gross, Taylor. Ugh. Moving on to the Broncos and Chargers. The Broncos took out the Chargers 20 to 13. And the Denver D is still elite. Even without being able to sack the quarterback, they still limited Phillip Rivers to 4.4 yards per attempt, which I thought was pretty surprising. I, I don't think they're elite, dude. Every Chargers and Broncos game, the Chargers cannot beat the Broncos. And it's just what happens. The, the Broncos always take away Keenan Allen. He never has a good game. And they just shut down the run. They make the Phillip Rivers throw shitty passes. The, the Broncos defense is not elite. They just, this is an interdivisional matchup that they just, they know off the back of their hand how to handle them. I mean, I've owned Keenan Allen for multiple years now. It's so tantalizing to start him every single week, but that Broncos week is, you're not going to get any points out of him. Yeah, Chris Harris really shut him down. Yep. So in the Packers and Cowboys game, this was a game that I said I was interested in watching this week. The Packers outlasted the Cowboys 34 to 24. This was basically a game where Aaron totally dominated this game. And of course, I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm talking about Aaron Jones. The Cowboys, like the score is 10 points different, but the Cowboys were, <laughs> there were only about two plays of the game where you're like, oh, this might be kind of interesting. And it just never really, it never really happened for the Cowboys. I was watching it with Waylon and it was so funny because Cooper had mentioned on the Slack channel that he's getting nervous or something like that. Every time uh, Aaron Rodgers went to go throw the ball, the next play, like they caught it like within the 10 yard line. And it was so funny because I was like, Waylon, just wait till they run this ball in. <laughs> and <laughs> They yeah. did it four times. I was like, man, all Mark needs is like two more Air Jones touchdowns and he's going to beat Cooper. And <laughs> it happened. So tilting, man. Oh, God. In the Sunday night game, the Colts went into Arrowhead and knocked off the Chiefs 19 to 13, which was just pretty shocking to me. I watched most of the game, not all of it, but I watched most of it and I actually turned it off with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And my thought was the Colts are going to win. Nobody's going to score for the rest of this game. I'm not staying up for this. Yeah, it was a very boring game, but the Colts did what they needed to. They, I don't know what the time of possession was, but I'm pretty sure the chiefs had the ball for maybe like three minutes and then the Colts had it for the rest of the game. And they just, they just kept converting. The Chiefs can't stop the run. And that's what What are you going to do, man? Yeah, I can see that. 57 minutes time of possession for, for the Colts and three minutes for the Chiefs. There's, there's only a handful of these teams that can actually do stuff like this. Like the Ravens, probably the Vikings, um, Colts, obviously. They did it by the 49ers. Mm -hmm. That's about it. I mean, maybe the Patriots. Like, yeah. but but they're talking would, about teams with solid run games. Lines it, can run. Yeah, yeah, and like just impose their will. It was an impressive game plan from Frank Reich, and they're kind of beat up. The Colts are on defense, but it didn't matter. I mean, 
like we'd said, Patrick Mahomes starts limping around and he kind of loses that mobility ability to kind of make magic outside the pocket, but he's still good enough that he should be able to totally shred any defense inside the pocket. And the Colts stood their ground and really executed extremely well. I was surprised, a little unhappy because I wanted the Colts to lose, <laughs> you know, but, but hats off to them. They played great in the Monday night game. I wish I hadn't watched this, but I watched almost all of it. <laughs> I fell asleep during this game. <laughs> yeah, I don't really blame you. Uh, the 49ers absolutely dominated the Browns. The score was only 31 to three. It might as well have been 131 to three because it, it was pretty much felt that way. And let me just ask you a question, Brian. Would you pick a number between two and 100 for me? Uh, doesn't matter what it is because it's <laughs> higher than Baker Mayfield's QBR. Yeah, that was really bad. Uh, Baker <laughs> completed eight of eight of 22 passes for 100 yards. His QBR for the entire game was 1.4. And in case you're a newbie to quarterback rating, average is 50. An average NFL quarterback would get a 50. He got a 1.4. Wow. I know this is going to sound really stupid that I still believe in Baker Mayfield and I believe in his talent, but I didn't watch this close enough. I think what happened was the front four of the, the 49ers defense, Nick Bosa really got after him and makes me wonder if the shitty play of Baker Mayfield is going to drag down Chubb. I mean, this week it did. I guess I understand what you're saying about Baker. I think the talent, the talent's not gone. I think that he's definitely regressed since last year. And I think this one's going to be on the coaching staff to figure out how to fix this because he's got all the pieces around him with the exception of a competent offensive line, but he should still be better than this. Freddie Kitchens needs to put him in a spot where he has easier throws like easier check downs. He needs to scheme guys open. Like I thought all of this was fixed. I think Freddie Kitchens might be a fake head coach. And <laughs> like, I think he made some adjustments last year that made him look good, but these guys are super talented. Baker Mayfield is a talented quarterback. And Dylan, if you don't believe so, I will buy him back at half the value. <laughs> Now that's a hell of a return policy. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the real week five. Let's talk about the fantasy week five with some of our league recaps. In the first game, Evan beat Ethan, and it, this was the actual, when we had three differing picks, this was the only one that I got right over you. Mike Evans was a no-show, as you already brought up, and so you can continue to hate him fully. I don't hate the guy. I'm just trying to point out that Chris Godwin is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Okay, that's fair enough. So Evan had a really nice day because he employed Teddy Bridgewater and Amari Cooper. Those were his two best scores. And so we saw a pretty nice showing from Big Nuts Lutz. <laughs> in our second game of the week, it was me versus Matt. And this was the highest scoring game of the week, kind of surprisingly, I would say. I wasn't necessarily surprised with my team putting up as many points as I did, but I was 
pretty surprised that Matt put up as many points as he did because, as we've talked about in previous weeks, he's got a bit of a patchwork lineup. And so you were correct on this one because Matt did defeat me. It was uh, basically a 1.9 point victory for Matt. So it was very close. Um, but it wasn't necessarily for the reasons that you thought. Josh Allen had a respectable game, but Chase Daniel, I guess they, they combined for like 30 points. So it, it wasn't like they went off. Dak actually outscored them by himself. But it was really the Christian McCaffrey and Adam Thielen show for, for Matt because he got a zero from Philip Dorsett and two points from Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I definitely think it was the Panthers D and then just having a body in the quarterback spots just really helped. The 30 spot from Adam Thielen definitely helped him. You take away all those points, like those big points. I mean, it just averages out every single person's shitty performance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. And, and actually, I just want to point this out because it was maddening to me. On Monday night, I was actually up. The score was 165 to 164.6. And my thought was, well, there's still a few minutes left in this game. I don't really want to go to bed because it could be like a scoring adjustment overnight where I lose. I'd like to see one more catch from George Kittle or OBJ for like five yards just to give me a solid one more point, And then maybe I'll feel a little better <laughs> about it. And so I see Odell Beckham trotting out on the field for punt return duties and i'm like okay if he can just get like you know 10 yards i'll get some points and then maybe he'll get a catch on that drive and he ends up cleanly fielding the punt but then he runs all sorts of zigzags backwards Lashawn mccoy's it in one hand and the ball gets punched out of his hand and it's a lost fumble so i lost like 2.24 points in that i was only up by 0.4 and so I lost the game because he never got another catch. They benched Baker after that, and they didn't really try. They kind of just ran out the clock. So I lost on that, and that really, <laughs> that was honestly the most painful loss I've had in fantasy in, in, I would say, the last at least four years. What's really interesting is I noticed that you got um, Will Disley in there and George Kittle, two tight ends. That's a bold move there, Cotton. Yeah, and and I can I'll actually talk about that here in a second. But my thought was that that Rams Seahawks game really smelled like a shootout to me going into it. Yep, and yep, it yep. kind of was. It was. I totally get what you did, but man, if you literally would have started any other flex, and then had Kittle in there, or any of your wide receivers over <laughs> Odell, mm -hmm. oh man. That just racks my brain. Like, this is like the kind of stuff I think about all the time is like, should I bench my my stud? And then I I always have to ask myself, am I going to regret it if they go off? That's like what I had to think of last week when I was asking about Scary Terry versus Melvin Gordon. Yeah. And I was just like, if Melvin Gordon goes off for like 17 points or something like that, I'm just going to regret it so hard, but I won't regret it if Scary Terry goes off, you know, on my bench. Yeah, I get that for sure. So in the next game, we had Jake versus Dylan, and Jake had a really nice week, which meant that we both guessed <laughs> wrong. We thought that Dylan's team might be able to pull this one off, but uh, it turns out Dylan's team is just really bad. For our benefit here, I did say if Jake started Colt McCoy, I changed my mind. Although, although 
Colt McCoy total for 2.2 point. <laughs> so yeah. it didn't really matter when you got a 36 point defense scoring and Dylan scores 81. Yeah. To put that in perspective, basically Deshaun Watson plus the Philly defense on Jake's team tied Dylan's entire team. <laughs> Covered Dylan. Unreal, dude. And then in the in Brian's words, the game of the week. This was Brian versus Waylon. <laughs> this is the game of the week. This is the Tony Romo game of the week, man. <laughs> America's game of the week. Brian pulled out the win, as he had mentioned, being 5-0 and now. So Team No Trades moves to 3-2. and But it was kind of just a down week for Waylon's team. And we, I mean, I guess I was kind of surprised because... Brian, your top scorers were Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. I think had you had you told me that going in, I would have been like, okay, well, Godwin kind of makes sense, but like those two in combination, are you sure those are gonna be your highest scorers this week? I know I was trying to sell Leonard for like peanuts like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't the right trade, I wasn't gonna take it because it's about opportunity, man. And he's like top four or top five in running back receptions right now so whatever he doesn't get on the ground like he's turned into a pretty amazing pass catcher and he's getting like four or five baseline points just from his catching alone and i saw this stat that said he's out producing ezekiel elliott and they're kind of similar players at this point in their career because they both started out as grinders and then Leonard has been injured. So he hasn't really like gotten that pass catching yet while Zeke was a pass catcher last year. And he's not really been, he's, he's catching some, I think he has 13 to Leonard's 20 catches. In our next game, we had Luke versus Taylor. This was another game that we had differed on our picks. And this was one that you were correct in. You had chosen Luke, and I just have to say, Luke, if you're listening to this man, I don't know if you're sitting in your car or if you're jogging on a treadmill at the gym. Either way, I'm just not sure how you do it with those huge, giant balls you have in benching Chris Carson for Matt Breida, (laughs) and it sure as heck paid off for you, man. Luke scored 162 points. I mean, Chris Carson had a really nice game. But when I looked at his roster, I was like, dang, he's really going to sit Matt Breida in the first week that Tevin Coleman's going to come back. And Carson had a nice day, you know. And yeah. so next thing I know, Matt Breida's running for an 80-yard touchdown and then catching another touchdown pass. I think it was the first play of the game, wasn't it? I think I think so. Nuts, man. Yeah. So congrats to you, Luke. That was a heck of a pick. And it's looking like Matt Breida's looking pretty nice right now for you. And in our last game of the week, we had Mark and Derek. This was sort of the, I guess, whatever game of the week. <laughs> we had both cho- chosen Derek because we thought that Derek's team had just been looking so good. And he kind of just had some guys fall asleep on him this week. Mark had a player wake the heck up. And Mark has had his same team name, I think, since he joined the league. It's It's been Team Packers. That's his fantasy football team name. And I've kind of complained about it. I wish he would show a little bit more creativity. So I found his brand new name for him. His new team name is now Team Aaron Jones. <laughs> what do you think? That's uh, definitely not any more creative. 
but I'm all for, you know, changing your name, Mark. I think this is more a Derek underperforming week than Mark overperforming week. Keenan Allen stunk up the place, which I had told everybody in Slack. He might be having a, a, an amazing 40-point week, but you don't need the points. And when you do need the points, they don't come because he's a sack of shit on, on weeks you actually need him. So what you're saying is the guy has no clutch gene. Right. He's <laughs> He doesn't give a shit about your fantasy team. Uh, bastard. Bastard. <laughs> Uh, just because it's coming up next, uh, spoiler alert. Did you do you think that we should move him down? I considered it because I think the points are there. I just think that he mismanages team lineup. Yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to our power rankings so that we can kind of discuss this in a little bit more detail. Brian is five and zero, oh, and so it only makes sense. Andy's points leader. So it only makes sense that he stays at number one. Waylon lost to him this week, but we both agreed that he's still the number two team. And then Derek, as we've kind of talked about, I had, I had went back and forth on this on whether he was still the number three team or whether he should move down to four or five or what we'll say this prior to our podcast going on air. We had both put Derek at number three. So he had been staying at number three if we do in fact decide to keep him there, which I think we probably should since we're actively recording this episode right now, <laughs> yeah, he's going to stay. So our top three stay the same again for at least the, th- the last three weeks. So moving up into fourth from fifth, he was tied for fifth last week as Matt. Brian had ranked him a little higher than I did because if you look at his roster for this particular week, it's looking kind of rough, but he did have a fantastic week this past week. And so you, well, it looks like you had him ranked fourth. I had him ranked. Well, actually, I only had him ranked fifth, so I didn't have him too far down. So, but Matt moves up to fourth. Matt, the wizard, Matt, the wizard continues his, his quest for third place <laughs> in fifth place. It's me. It's a me. I didn't move at all. I was tied for fifth last week. I'm still fifth. I had myself ranked fourth. You had me ranked seventh. I think things are looking up for Mike Tommy's bunch out. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I've had some kind of down weeks, and I had a a week a little bit closer to what I expected last week. But I did lose my second quarterback in Mason Rudolph, and so we'll need Marcus Mariota to be the next man up for me. Uh, Just a little under the hood. I don't really rank anybody by their actual standing. It's more of the players and their point totals that I really take a look at. Okay, so you, you basically what you do is you look at their roster and then you see how many points they've scored up until this point, and that's kind of all you look at. Yeah, like, and then I like basically give my opinion on what I think all the players will do. And then something that I think I'm going to start implementing next week is average points, like okay. what they actually average every week. But I think that's more telling of, a, you know, a team. Yeah, I'm interested to, to see your algorithm. i'll give you a rhythm in six moving up two spots from eighth last week is luke and as we had mentioned luke had a really nice week and i was looking at his team and it's looking a little bit more intimidating now kyler murray has been really steady he doesn't really have a great qb2 right now but he's got some really solid running backs he's still got julio jones and austin hooper 
Wide receiver two, he can sort of rotate between Allen Robinson and Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, depending on who's got the best matchup. I mean, it's a pretty solid team. And so I like Luke in this spot. In seventh, moving down three spots from last week's season high of four is Ethan. I definitely think this is a little low for Ethan. I don't remember where I had him. I think I probably put him to five. And I don't know how he went from... Like, I don't know where you put him. Jesus. Was... You had him fifth and I had him eighth. Why do you hate Ethan, Nick? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Brian. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't hate Ethan. This I think we just saw a little bit more of, I guess, a coming back to earth for his team this week. I don't think that his running backs are so bad that he's going to only get nine points from them every week. But that's what he got this week. And then Greg Olson put up a zero in his tight end spot. Jacoby Brissett was a game manager, kind of like what I I sort of expected him to be this week. So I guess him plugging in Gardner Minshew moving forward and and this week because the Colts are on by makes him look a little bit better. But I still just don't feel at all good about his running back situation. And so I think that's why I'm ranking him lower. His receivers are solid. I mean, he's got Cooper Cup and Tyler Boyd. Uh, Jarvis Landry and Kenny Galladay. So I feel like he's got some solid high floor guys there. The more I look at Luke's team, the more I think it's slightly better than Ethan's. So I think we did a good job putting him sixth and seventh. Yeah. In eighth spot, moving down three from last week's tied for fifth is Taylor. And this is sort of the thing we're seeing this theme with Taylor is that she's got kind of, uh, you know, like 120 point floor, it seems like. But that's also kind of been her ceiling. She hasn't really gone. She hasn't had a boom. She's super steady. And Carson Wentz isn't getting the touchdowns or running the ball so much. And then Todd Gurley, two weeks in a row, got two touchdowns, which is a little fluky. But call it what it is, you know. Like low yardage, fluky touchdowns. What are you going to do? I get what you're saying. I think you mean just because he's not been super efficient. So we can't really expect him to score two touchdowns every week. I It's it's really interesting because if someone doesn't have the boom week, someone else does. And then she just stays at the same totals. Yeah. Like DJ Chark, you know, had a yeah. boom week. But DeAndre Hopkins stayed average or like below average, you know, but they they still put up points. It's just (laughs) and then Sammy Watkins gooster. And then that's not good, you Mm -hmm. know, coming out of your OP slot. Yeah, she liked Sammy Watkins over Derek Carr against the Bears defense. So that didn't that didn't help her. It didn't make the difference. I mean, Luke was going to win this game either way. But but yeah, it is pretty interesting. It's. Like you said, she's had this kind of ebb and flow between players, but it seems like they all just decide that they're going to score 120 points every week. So that's why I put I put Taylor a little lower this week, and I think that's why you did too. Yeah, like just the, the amount of scoring. I never thought I would say that the amount of scoring at 127 was low. It's It's starting to become low. Like basically, if you can't put up 150 at least one week, then you really don't stand a shot against some of the, you know, point scoring teams. Yeah, when you face the the more volatile scores, you're at you're at risk of losing, as we've kind of seen, where Luke's not really had a boom week until this week, but he did. And 
we haven't really seen that from Taylor yet. So that's why she lost to Luke. Uh, moving into the ninth position is Evan up from 11 last week. I th- think I'm trying to th- let me see. Where did you put Evan? We both ranked him ninth. So you actually at least kind. I mean, you said last week that you hate everything about his team. That can't be true. If you put him in ninth. i think amari cooper until amari cooper is out for the year or out for multiple weeks i think i have to like his team i don't know about teddy bridgewater he's doing okay but as soon as he's not able to start teddy anymore i think i'll like his team a little less with andy dalton Obviously, Mike Evans can put up points, and that's what one of the reasons why he won a week. I thought Golden Tate was going to score more points. I still think he's going to score more points. I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver on that team because Evan Ingram. Yeah, I was, for some reason I was blanking on his name. I think he's injured this week and he's not going to play. And then Sterling Shepard's injured this week. He's not going to play. And then Golden Tate's right there for the picking, you know? Mm-hmm. So in the preseason, Golden Tate was looking really good with um, Dan- Daniel Jones. So I'm really surprised about this 3.5 points. But I think that's because Minnesota was trying to take him away. I don't know what to think about his team anymore. But just because he scored this many points, I feel as though he needs to be ranked higher. In 10th, staying the same position they were last week as Jake. So we saw a big week from Deshaun Watson, pulled off the win against Dylan. But I guess you and I are kind of similar in thinking that this week was more the exception than the norm. I mean, you've got 80 points combined from Deshaun Watson and the Eagles defense. And not a whole lot for the rest of the team. I think what we would call this is a boom week. His bench didn't do shit either. He really needs Saquon to come back and to fill up that flex. Uh, Travis Kelsey's been pretty disappointing so far for the season. Uh, I mean, which is kind of saying something because he's the fourth overall. But, <laughs> you know, 10, 22 is good. 12, 12, 9. You know, that's still really good for like the average uh, tight end. But, that's not first pick, fourth overall, Travis Kelsey that he that, that he's getting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Larry had a down week. Wayne Gallman is out this week, I think, because that's a Thursday night game. So maybe he'll pick up Ronnie Hillman or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jake's team's terrible. I just think we need to see it. In the 11th spot, down two spots from ninth last week is Mark. Mark actually won this week, but it was mainly due to Aaron Jones' ridiculous four-touchdown game. We kind of saw Daniel Jones had his welcome to the NFL moment, and Le'Veon Bell just continues to put out mediocre point totals. So Mark's going to be more closer to this 120-point area than I think he has been so far this season. He's been just super up and down. So if we were to take off let's say 20 points off of that Aaron Jones score, let's say 15 and you tack that on to Phillip rivers. I'd say that's more of like in line of where he would be. So Mm -hmm. that puts him around like a hundred points, you know, which is not good. Yeah. Like 110 somewhere in there. It's it's not. 
And in 12th, not moving up, not moving down. Mentally, once again. mentally not moving up or down either. <laughs> mentally checking out <laughs> yeah. is Dylan. He's 12th. He scored, as he said in Slack, he, he broke 70 this, this time. He's, he scored 81 points. So see, it was a three-week high, I want to say, but still just not very good. Baker Mayfield, I didn't realize, had scored him negative three points. He doesn't have a whole lot going on. I will say he did bench Josh Jacobs and Marlon Mack, so he he could have potentially broken the 100-point barrier. But even still, even if he did break the 100-point barrier, he still would have been the lowest scorer. You know what's really interesting is if he were to put Robert Woods with, like, Josh Jacobs, do you think he could get, like, a top running back? I think he, he's got some trade potential on his team. I just think for whatever reason, he thinks that he doesn't have a shot in heck at. I really, I really want to explore this real quick. So if you would humor me, if you were the owner of Nick Chubb, which, you know, that's Waylon. He's a tough cookie to crack. Would you take a Robert Woods plus Josh Jacobs for Nick Chubb? In a vacuum, I would consider it. I'm talking like just right now, just make a decision. In a vacuum, like I said, if I didn't have to consider anything else, then sure. On Waylon's team, no, because he doesn't really have a need for that. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, Waylon, you're not going to get anyone off Waylon's team because his team is too good. Like, you wouldn't, like, you would really have to throw him a really overpay offer for him to say yes for something, you know? Mm -hmm. What's another really quick running back that's keepable? Carrion Johnson? Yeah, he's a seventh round keeper. Maybe it might be worth pursuing him, but I don't think D- Dylan likes him. I guess maybe Gardner Minshew, but that's kind of a yeah. Gardner Minshew Minshew would be available. I mean, Dak Prescott is keepable. Russell Wilson is keepable. Yeah, there's not there's not that many good keepers. Maybe like DJ Chark. That would be an interesting trade right there. Is he sell the boat for DJ Chark? Anyway, Dylan, best tank for Tua to you. <laughs> Nick didn't want to do this part, but I felt like it was really important because you're one of our main listeners. <laughs> so if there's some way we can we can help you stay engaged, we'll do our best. Yeah. So let's move on to our superlatives and we'll move through these fairly quickly. Our points champion this week was Matt. He scored 164.6. He beat me. I was the points runner up, so that really sucked. But congratulations to Matt for being the points champion this week. The points loser for the third consecutive week was Dylan. As we mentioned, he scored 81 points and the last three weeks in particular have just not been very kind to him. The bad call of the week goes to Derek for benching Will Fuller. But as we said before, that's really only because this award has been given to the person who is the highest scorer on somebody's bench. I, I mean, had Derek started Will Fuller, he would have beaten Mark. But I also benched Julian Edelman, and so I would say that I deserve it as well because I would have been points champion and also beaten Matt. I don't necessarily think Derek is an idiot for benching Will Fuller, <laughs> but he did go crazy. This game was coming. It's impossible to know when. Our overachiever of the week was Luke. He was 35.2 points over his projection, so not quite as high as Brian when he broke 200. But we did have four people who were 
30 or more over their projections. That included me, Matt, and Evan. So congratulations to Luke. You are the biggest overachiever. It's so funny because I score so many points now and I'm projected for so like and I'm projected for so much that I I can't win it. <laughs> yeah, not unless you go crazy like you did last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm probably done with the whole uh points uh overachiever of the week awards unless I crack the 200 again. Or you could trade off some of your best players to me and get players <laughs> with lower go. projections and see if they pop. That's a strategy for you. Ooh, that's a good call, dude. Normally, we would talk about notable waivers, but since last week was a crazy week and our previous episode was released late, we talked about those waivers last week. So we don't actually have any waivers to cover. Those are going to run, I guess, today. We're recording this Tuesday, but you guys are probably listening to this Wednesday or later. So those are going to run today, and so we'll probably just cover them in next week's um, recap episode. But... To end, I think, Brian, you wanted to talk about a pretty significant trade that you made earlier in the season with Derek. Everyone heard me talk about this trade. I I said I I absolutely crushed him, and I don't think that's the case anymore, especially if Will Fuller starts balling out. It's really unfortunate that Christian Kirk was injured because I definitely think that he would be producing what Keenan Allen produces at this point in time. I think it's just been, he's been super unlucky with the touchdown department. Metcalf's doing a pretty good job, but definitely not the narrative that I sold on this podcast where I thought, you know, he was going to be the number one and score all the touchdowns when, you know, Lockett's doing a lot of the work still. And I thought that teams were going to bracket cover him. And I haven't really like sat down and looked at each one of the routes that Lockett's done and see what the coverages are. I'd say overall, I'm sorry, Derek. I definitely <laughs> think that um, you won this trade so far, but uh, going forward, we'll have to take we'll just have to keep an eye on it. I know we make a couple crazy trades. Well, it's more me. I just accept crazy trades sometimes. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad, man. Maybe that's the McHale rubbing off on you because he used to say, why don't you make a trade and we'll just keep talking until I get desperate enough to accept it. <laughs> Man, I love that guy. I'll tell you one thing. I've, I was talking to Waylon about this where when someone offers me a trade and it's not bad, I start trying to like think about it in the sense that what's the upside of the players I'm getting versus the players I'm sending? And then I'll start positively talking them up and the longer i have to bake and cook on these bad boys i think it's not a good idea for me to sit on trades for too long yeah so just to summarize that trade that you had you had brought up you brought up all their names but just so we can hear them all out together it was earlier a couple weeks ago Derek had traded Christian Kirk and DK Metcalf to Brian for Keenan Allen and Willful and Brian is basically saying that it looks like Derek has won that trade for now. Yeah. And the the uh, verdict's still out on the whole Saquon trade, but I can tell you if he's already coming back, like we were saying, within four weeks, I think I lost. So in short, everybody, if you're listening, 
just keep harping on Brian for those trades and maybe he'll get desperate. <laughs> I'm going to name myself team mismanagement or some stupid <laughs> shit because I have been an awful manager this year so far. Just a bit reckless, I would say. Yeah, I really got to just sit back and relax and just suck in the points. It's like a rich guy, you know, like somebody hitting yeah, the lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then going bankrupt. <laughs> you know? Pretty much, man. You haven't gone bankrupt by any means yet, but I suppose if you keep spending at this rate, you might eventually go bankrupt. I definitely think if I didn't hit on Godwin this year, I'd be in some real tough shit. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, guys. Well, that's all we have for this episode. We're going to be releasing a preview episode, but just want to thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that week five treated you better than OBJ treated me. And... <laughs> We'll catch you guys in the preview. Yep. Bye-bye. See ya. I want better execution. Are we clear on that? I want better fucking execution. I want you to get a little bit pissed off. All right? Not a lot of people expect very much from us. You've been reading about us? Not a lot of people expect enough from us. The Nickel and Brian Package Podcast.